Pastor Paul here. It's a Tuesday morning, the last day of January, 2023, year of our Lord. So January 31st, flying by, and we are so glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. We are walking through Matthew's gospel. So we're obviously preaching on Matthew's gospel on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks, but we're using these devotional times in the week uh, prior to that Sunday to unpack the passage we're going to be preaching on, to sort of look at how to interpret, pull out, apply, contextualize uh, the passage so that kind of gives us a, a better sense instead of being just consumers of the word, um, post-haste, post-sermon, um, post um, we are going to be preparing for that week's message by by unpacking God's word together and hopefully giving all of us some, some tools by which we can be self-feeders, by which we can be people who um, can read and interpret the word of God. So uh, we've just started this sort of new um, system of devotionals and seems to be fruitful so far. And let's jump in for today. So the passage for this coming Sunday is John, I'm sorry, it's about John, absolutely, the Baptist and Jesus but it's from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. So a short passage, so it gives us a little bit more opportunity to, to dig in a little bit deeper. So let's read the passage, and then we will jump in. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So last, yesterday, Monday, we read this passage and we talked about some of the different ways that we can begin to interpret it. And we talked about um, what are the questions that um, pop out to us? What are some of our observations? What comes before and after this passage? What are some of the, the cross references? And we want to come and start picking up some of those pieces now. And I think the most obvious question um, that presents itself to us, although I don't think it's Matthew's primary point, okay, we're going to get to that, but the most obvious question here is why in the world is Jesus being baptized, particularly when this baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism for the confession of sins. Obviously, Jesus is sinless, and we it's not that we know that from other portions of Scripture. It's also insinuated to us going all the way back to Matthew chapter 1, right, where Matthew takes great pains to say that Jesus was not born of Joseph. He was not even, um, he was not conceived in the natural way. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so obviously Matthew is already preparing for us um, this idea that Jesus is the sinless one, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world by his perfect sacrifice. So we know he's sinless, um, 
and we have this emphasized to us when John objects, right? John objects, and we don't know exactly the historical relationship between John and Jesus, although um, we have some hints, right? Because we know from Luke that Elizabeth and Mary were related. They were some sort of cousins. And so we don't know if this meant that John and Jesus grew up together. They most certainly had some sort of connection, right? And they obviously knew each other because John is able to identify Jesus and knows that he is there for a specific mission. And so John objects, just like any of us would object. I, you should be baptizing me, Jesus. Why in the world would I baptize you? Now, Jesus's answer to this, okay, is 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 interesting. Look at verse fifteen. But Jesus ans- answered him, "Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness." Okay. Now, we're going to unpack that. But one of the things that I want to 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 point us to, and I was reading this in a commentary this morning. And by the way, I said I would come back today and recommend a commentary or two. And here's a good one. Um, it, it feels it's thick and big, but it's it's very readable. And it's the Gospel of Matthew by R.T. France. It's from the New International Commentary on the New Testament. And as we go through our studies, I will be making reference um, to some different commentaries. And this I, this one, I think, is particularly Good. And one of the, the, the comments that France makes in his commentary about this is that while this is the most pressing question we have, okay, the, the, uh, about why should Jesus be baptized, Matthew's, that's not necessarily Matthew's primary point. Actually, Matthew's primary point in detailing this instance is who Jesus is revealed to be. Because it's immediately after being baptized that the heavens are opened, that God speaks, the Holy Spirit descends, um, that there is divine sanction um, given to this idea that Jesus is, in fact, God's beloved son. So what what we're saying here is that whatever, um, whatever the purpose is or was um, of Jesus being baptized, okay, um, that it serves this ultimate purpose, right, of um, of Jesus being revealed as the Son of God. Okay, so that's the connection. So in other words, the baptism is not the pinnacle, okay, of this um, of this instance of this of this scene. Although it's important, the pinnacle of this scene is Jesus being revealed as the son of God. So whatever this baptism means, okay, um, it serves that purpose. Okay. So with that idea in mind, let's, let's, let's look at the specific question. Why, um, why did Jesus have to be baptized? Okay. Or why did he maintain that he had to be baptized? What was the, what was the driving force to fulfill all righteousness? Well, there's a couple of things I think we can say here. One, that the baptism that the people underwent is not the same as the baptism that Jesus underwent. So clearly the people were being baptized for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. For Jesus, 
he seems to be saying it fulfilled a different purpose, which comes, I think, primarily through his identity with the people. Okay, so so Jesus is not in need of cleansing, but what he is is he's standing in solidarity with John's call um, in terms of his arrival of his kingship, and what he is what he is doing here, I think is standing in, so to speak, for the people of God. They come needing a baptism of forgiveness of sins. Jesus comes as one who is going to be standing in their place, who is going to be their representative. And and let me tell you where I think we we can get this, okay? Um, If you look at the rest of Matthew, okay, um, a couple of interesting passages, okay? So he talks about um, he he is going to bear the people's weaknesses. That's Matthew 8, 17. Um, he is going to shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, Matthew 26, 28, okay? He's going to give his life as a ransom for many, 20, 28. So all throughout Matthew, we see this idea that Jesus is the substitute. He is the sinless substitute, Okay. And so I think the key is we need to focus in on this word righteous, okay? So to fulfill all righteousness, dikanasune. Now, although it's impossible to know for sure, um, Matthew is probably making reference to Isaiah 53, 11. So flip your Bibles over there for a second. So in Isaiah, we know that um, Matthew quotes extensively from the book of Isaiah, Okay. So if you flip over to Isaiah, which I'm trying to find here in my Bible, here we go, Isaiah 53, 11, listen to this passage. Out of the anguish of his soul shall he see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Okay, so it seems that it's very possible that what Matthew is doing is he's drawing on this language, okay, of Jesus from Matthew 53, 11, as the righteous one, his servant. And the way that he is righteous and the way he's going to make many to be accounted righteous is he is going to bear their iniquities, all right? So when you think about righteous in this context and then Jesus saying to fulfill all righteousness, it seems that what Jesus is most likely saying is that I'm the righteous one, and as the servant of the people, I am going to be standing in their place. I am going to be taking on their sins as their perfect sacrifice, okay, because I have, I am righteous myself. So this baptism, back to that point, is not for the forgiveness of sins. It's not for the cleansing. It is for the identification of Jesus as the righteous one. He is fulfilling all righteousness in that here he is at the onset of his ministry. He is standing in the people's place and he is announcing, I'm coming to do what you could not do for yourself. Now, I think as our representative, as the second Adam, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter four, as the one who, Romans four and five. And so I think we can validate this interpretation by understanding what comes immediately after um, this passage, which is Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, right? Just as the people of Israel were tempted in the wilderness and failed, 
what we're going to find is that Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, but fulfills all righteousness, okay? And thus begins his public ministry. And the reason, okay, that Jesus is, um, we say he is the righteous one, the reason that he can stand in our place is because God has appeared and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now we're going to unpack the Trinitarian portion of this passage tomorrow in the next day. But, but for today, let me just recap here. Jesus's baptism and John's baptism, the, John, the baptisms of John that he was giving are not exactly the same. John was baptizing for the repentance and forgiveness of sins, for the cleansing. That's not the kind of baptism Jesus is receiving. He's receiving the baptism as our representative, as the righteous one, as the one who will stand in our place. And as such, and I think that's based upon Isaiah 53, 11 and the other passages we see in Matthew, that because of his righteousness, this is why God can say, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. In other words, he is now commissioned to stand in your place, to do what you could not do, to perfectly fulfill the law, to obey the law, to fulfill all righteousness as our representative and sacrifice, all right? So a little technical there, but I think that probably gets... I think, to the heart of what's going on um, behind Jesus' baptism. Now, once again, though, it doesn't terminate in itself. It is fulfilled in a, it has a much greater fulfillment and points to a much greater reality, which is Jesus is God's son, and that's where we're going to pick it up tomorrow. All right, Lord, thanks for this time. We pray that you would give us a heart of faithful stewardship as we continue to study your word. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.